0: One of the more popular movies that's been out uh, this year, but it's been, the series has been around for about 20 years or something like that now, it's the Mission Impossible series. And if you're old, then you remember the Mission Impossible TV show. And I think about the only thing they kept from the TV show to the movie was the theme song and also the way that the man would receive his mission. Well, here's the way it starts, usually. Tom Cruise, in the movies, who plays the agent... What's his name? Ethan Hunt. Come on, you guys. I know you see these movies. You can tell me. Tom Cruise, who plays Ethan Hunt, finds a tape-recorded message somewhere. And they try to get creative with how he finds it, whether it's in a store or a phone booth, if those things still exist. But somehow, Tom Cruise finds a tape-recorded message or a video-recorded message. And then he takes this into a place and he watches this message and an unknown voice informs him that there's a major problem in the world and only the IMF, the Impossible Mission Force, can solve this problem. And then at some point the voice will say, your mission, should you decide to accept it, is to kill the bad guy, or go here and do this or that. And then they say, and should you or any of your IMF force be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of you. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Is anybody with me on this? Mm-hmm, thank you, thank you. What well, What seems pretty cheap to me that they employ these people, and then they say, hey, if you get in any trouble, you're on your own. You get caught, that's too bad. We're going to deny we even know you. We're going to send you out on this scary, dangerous mis- mission, and if things mess up, we don't know you at all. You don't know say nada. I always like the phrase, your mission, should you decide to accept it. You see, that way they knew there was Danger. They knew it was going to be difficult. They had to understand the danger. They had to understand the difficulty, and they had to accept it. They didn't just march into it and then go, hey, you didn't tell me. You didn't tell me there'll be bad guys with guns. No, they did tell you. There'll be bad guys. They're going to have guns. They're going to be really good with kung fu and all these other things. They're going to want to kill you. They're going to wipe you out. But should you decide to accept this mission, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go all over the world. You're going to to ride a motorcycle. Because that way, when they accepted this mission, they knew what was in store for them. Well, I would like to sort of stretch that idea a little bit and tell you that our main man today, Jeremiah, was part of God's IMF force. An impossible mission force. And we're going to see today how Jeremiah received his call. And God said, your mission, Mr. Maya, first name Jerah, last name Maya, your mission should you decide to accept it. Here's what it is. But if you get caught, I won't disavow any knowledge of knowing you, because I will admit that I know you. Because I created you and I made you. Well, as we go through our walk for the wor- walk through the world 2018, we come to the book. Well, we're in Jeremiah. Next week, we go through three weeks of Ezekiel. And then we move into the New Testament. We're on week 37 out of 52 weeks. So we're in the home stretch for those of you who are hanging there in there with me. And I've got my young friend, Christian Scholar, lined up to speak in October, so you don't want to miss that. He'll be talking about the book of Acts. And when I get to the book of Mark, I'm going to talk about the one time that Jesus talked about going to the bathroom. Oh, what's in there? So you'll have to make sure you hit that one in a month. But today we're talking about Mr. Maya. Jeremiah. The first three verses of chapter 1 of the book of Jeremiah. Remember we talked about him last week. It's called the weeping prophet. He wrote the book of Lamentations. To lament means to weep over something that you care about a lot. It doesn't just mean to cry. It means you're weeping over something you really care about. And in chapter 9, verse 1, it says... Oh, that my tears would be like a fountain. He was a a sad man, not because he was depressed, but because he saw the relationship of God to God's people. And so the first three verses of chapter 1, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, anchor who Jeremiah was as a man. They tell us where he was in his life. His dad was a priest. Now, Jeremiah was a prophet prophet. His dad was a priest. A priest is someone who studies and administers in the house of the Lord. A prophet was someone who received a message from God to speak. The word can mean seer or speaker or sharer. So the historical details in verses 1 through 3 alerts us and tells us about when he did his ministry. Somewhere around 625 B.C., when Josiah was king of Judah. The northern king of Israel had already been overrun and been, they had been taken into exile. And Jeremiah's ministry spanned the remains of like three or four of the remaining kings of the southern kingdom, Judah. Now, not everyone was taken from into exile into Babylon. Jeremiah was one of those people who remained In Jerusalem and what he said and what he wrote he was writing from Jerusalem to those who were in captivity for about 40 years we think his ministry started as he faithfully communicated whatever God told him if you would turn into your Bible Jeremiah chapter 1 I'm gonna read part of what my sister Patricia read and a little bit more Turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. Is it all right to read my Bible in church? Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. And when you find it, could you say, praise the the Lord? Now the word of the Lord came to me. You see, there's his mission call, his impossible mission. It's like God was saying, good afternoon, Mr. Maya. Your mission, should you decide to accept it. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms, to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Very well-known passage, at least a couple of those verses, verses 4 and 5 especially. And it says, Before Jeremiah was born, and before the word of the Lord ever came to him, God singled him out. God mentions four things that he's done. I'll just go over them quickly. First, God says, I formed you in the womb. That's the same word that's used in Genesis, where it says that God formed Adam. It's a word that's only used with God as the noun. It's an action word. And God is always the noun of this phrase, I formed you. And later in Jeremiah, he says, I am the potter, you are the clay. He wants us to get this idea that he formed us. So throughout scripture, we are reminded that God is intimately involved in forming a child in its mother's womb. And those of you females who've ever had a baby I can only imagine what that feels like. One day you are you, and the next day you are you, plus something's growing inside of you. That, to me, is like one of the most crazy things to think about, that there is another human being inside of you. And this verse speaks to that. And he says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So he says he formed him, and then before he formed him, he knew him this word to know is also the same word that's used where it says that adam knew eve back to the genesis story now in that way that's good old king james language of saying that adam knew eve that talks about a, a sexual relationship but the word really means intimacy to know someone is to be very intimate to be connected to them so when god says not only did i form you but I knew you. He's saying, I know everything there is to know about who you are. It always reminds me of that song. To know, know, know Him is to love, love, love Him. You see, that's the way we should feel back about God. That when we know Him, we love Him. Because He formed us and knows us. And so when it says in Matthew chapter 7, when people say, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? And he says, depart from me, because I never knew you. So you might be doing the song and dance of trying to please God with what you eat, or what you wear, or what you do. I mean, I've heard people say, oh, I didn't read my Bible enough. Well, I believe in reading the Bible But I'm just saying you are not saved by what you eat or what you wear or reading the Bible. You are saved by the grace of God. I didn't even have to ask for that amen. Except for this section. Can I get an amen? I got my eye on you. So before I formed you, he says, I knew you. I knew who you were, Jeremiah. I'm setting you aside For this call. I formed you. I know you. I'm going to consecrate you. That's the same word used in Genesis. Also, talking about the Sabbath day. That means to be sanctified. To be set apart. To be set apart for a holy use. To be hallowed. So as Jeremiah writes this, as God speaks... God wants Jeremiah and us to get this idea that he's talking about a creation moment. That's why he's using the same language as Genesis. I formed you. I know you. I am setting you apart. As God set apart the seventh day, he sets you apart as well. He set Jeremiah apart, he set you apart. And you can set things apart. You could set apart like your Bible. This Bible is set apart for holy use. So I won't put things on top of it or I won't use it to prop the window open or I won't swat a fly with it or because it's special, it's sacred, it's set apart. But you can apply that to your life. If God has formed you and God has called you, then God has sanctified you. And that's why You would eat well. And that's why you would take care of yourself physically. And that's why you would not allow people to abuse you physically or mentally or sexually or any way because you are the sanctified, blood-bought possession of God. So it's not winning your way into heaven by what you eat or what you wear or what you do. It's because you know who owns you. And you know who made you. And you know who created you. So I would... Ask you, what have you set apart in your own life for God? It could be something like your Bible. It could be your time. It could be yourself. But think about that. What have you set apart? What has sanctified in your life for God? And then fourth, he says, I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. To appoint means to ordain, to bestow, to grant, to ascribe a prophet was someone who delivered messages from God and from God to specific people and circumstances. Prophets weren't the same as a priest. A prophet studied and taught, but a, pro- a priest did that. I'm sorry, a priest did that. A prophet delivered a sp- specific message that God had given him for specific people at a specific time. So Jeremiah had an incredibly difficult mission to accept for starters his his message wasn't going to be a message that people wanted to hear prophets are never accepted prophets are never appreciated jesus said a prophet is without honor in his own country what do they try to do to him luke chapter 4 they tried to drive him off of a cliff they didn't like him they didn't like his mission or his message ellen white got sent to australia you can't get much farther away from the united states Then Australia back in the 1900s, they didn't want to hear what she had to say. The prophet is usually not appreciated. Jeremiah would be considered a traitor. He told them, don't fight against the Babylonians. Just let them come in because they're going to kill you if you don't. Jeremiah was arrested, he was put in stocks out in the public square, he was beaten, he was thrown into a a cistern where he sank down into the mud. So it was important for him, before he accepted this impossible mission, for him to know that he had been formed, he was known, he had been set apart, and he had been appointed by God. Because if you forget that you are gods, and if you forget that you have been chosen, you'll give up. It'll become too hard the calling that you might feel on your life will become too hard. And that's why what happens in the church. People say, I've been called to do such and such and I want to do this. And they go, I'm going to do it. And they start doing it and things go well. And then people go, well, why are we doing that? Have you thought about doing it this way? Well, I don't know. And then people start bailing out on you and then all at once you've got like two people helping you and all at once it's just you and you go, well, I'm giving up. Because you forgot the original passion that called you. If God has called you to it, you've got to hang on to it. I know it's easy to give up. I want to give up all the time. That's not my calling, you see. And because of these hardships that Jeremiah endured as a prophet, God forbid him from marrying. God forbid him from having children. It's in chapter 16. Because he had this IMF mission. And he had... To take care of that, he had to be focused. Now, I'm imagining that you, as a person, as a man, as a woman, as a boy, as a girl, living in this world, you've had your own share of impossible missions or difficult assignments. Most of you can identify one in your own life, maybe more than one, where you've said, God, this is too much for me. I can't bear this much longer. And sometimes it's external things like other people or your circumstances or your job or your school. And sometimes it's an internal situation that's causing you some turmoil that you've got to deal with your own dysfunction or your own sinfulness or your own emotional pain and you just want to give up. And so when God lays this on him, here, I've called you. I formed you. I anointed you. I've called you. And And I want you to go to these people and I want you to tell them all these things. Jeremiah's like, are you talking to me? And so he comes up with some very natural excuses. And he says, alas, Lord God, behold, I don't know how to speak. I'm only a youth. I'm just a young person. What are you looking at me for? And there's somebody else here that could do this better than me? So let's say Jeremiah was 16. Let's say Jeremiah was 20. And I think about if God had called me when I was 20 and told me I was going to be a prophet to go out to the nations, I probably would have said what Jeremiah said. What Jeremiah said was, I don't know how to speak because I'm a youth, was probably accurate. He probably had little experience and he probably had few speaking skills. And he looked at the mission and he decided, I do not want to accept this mission. Because he looked at himself rather than the God that was calling him. And he says, you got the wrong man for this job. And so God's reply to Jeremiah is instructive. God doesn't give him a pep talk or say, come on, you can do it. God basically tells Jeremiah, my presence in your life, Jeremiah, will triumph over every single deficiency that you have. This assignment I am giving you is depending on me, God, me, God, being faithful to you, not on you being competent. In other words, when God calls you to something, He empowers you to do it. When God gives you gifts, He gives you a chance to use them. So if you have the gift of hospitality, for example, you can use that in your home. You can use that at work. You could use that here. If you have the gift of preaching and teaching, it might be here, it might be at work, it might be somewhere else. If you have the gift of generosity, that means you could be generous with, with your finances, or it could be generous with your time, or your warmth, or your love. God will give you opportunities to use the gifts, because it's not dependent on you, it's dependent on him. As I said last week, God will be faithful to himself, God makes a covenant. He tries to make a covenant with us, but he first makes a covenant with himself, and he honors the covenants not because of us, but because of him. So Jeremiah needed to be made aware again and reminded that God had called and God would be present. So in verse 9, God gives Jeremiah a tangible confirmation of the calling when he reaches out and touches his mouth. Now, I don't know if that's with a hand or... The Holy Spirit, it doesn't say, it just says he touched my mouth. The Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. We also see this in two other of the major prophets. Isaiah and Ezekiel both had similar experiences where they were touched in the mouth by, or on the mouth, by God. This is to assure him that he would personally, God would personally supply every message that Jeremiah would deliver, because Jeremiah's mission was ultimately dependent on God, not on himself. At the end of his mission, God would never say like they say to Ethan Hunt, and if you get caught, we're going to disavow knowing you. God doesn't say that. So he says all of these things to him. He says, I know you. I formed you. I consecrated you. I've appointed you to be a prophet. I send you. I command you. I'm with you to deliver you. I have put my words in your mouth. I have pointed you this day over the nations and the kingdoms. I'm watching over my word to perform it. I have made you a fortified silly. (laughs) Silly. Help me, Lord. I have made you a fortified city as a pillar of iron, as a wall of bronze. I am with you to deliver you. That's the mission, and the promise that the mission will succeed. Won't be easy, but he will succeed. You see, Jeremiah needed to see this difficult assignment in the context of his relationship with God. Not just as an assignment, but that it is in relationship to God. All of the callings that you have are dependent on you being in relationship with God. Now... To relate that to church work again, it's very possible that you could be involved in church work and, not, and just be doing it because somebody asked or you like it, you like setting up chairs or doing fellowship meal. That, that's great. People that come to fellowship meal and need a chair, they appreciate that. That's fine. But ultimately, your ministries are related to the calling that you feel that God has placed on your heart because you are in relationship With him. So now here's a big question for you. Un pregunto grande. Was Jeremiah's experience, his relationship with God, his assignment, his being known that he was called by God, an exception? Or does God promise you and me the same things that he has promised Jeremiah? Does he promise us that he'll be with us, that he's called us, that he has formed us, that he knows us? I want to point out to you that there's some other major Bible characters who've had similar difficult assignments given to them by God. You had Abraham had to leave his home and head for a a land he did not know. You had Joseph in prison for crimes he didn't commit. You had Moses leading people. He said, I'm not the man for you on this one. I don't know how to speak. He said the same thing. You had David fighting Goliath. You had David fleeing from Saul. You had David going into battle. You had Joseph, the other Joseph, not me and not the Genesis one, the one in the New Testament. You had him marrying Mary, even though she was pregnant with a baby that wasn't his. You had Paul assigned to be a Gentile, uh, help me, Lord. You had Paul assigned to be an apostle to the Gentiles and to suffer for Christ's sake. God gives difficult assignments to people that he empowers to commit and finish those assignments. And so the question is really, does God know, consecrate, and give difficult assignments to people in just the Bible, like Bible heroes? Are these things just for the Bible heroes? Or are these things for you and I as well? It, it will affect the way that you read the Bible. If you are reading this as nice stories, and oh, isn't that nice? God called this man years ago, and He formed him and empowered him. That's very nice. You can learn, and I could ask you a bunch of questions. What What was Jeremiah's name? Weeping prophet. How many books in the book? How many chapters in the book of Jeremiah? Fifty-two. What other book did Jeremiah write? Lamentations. You see, we could, we could learn. We could learn facts about Jeremiah. If this is a book for us to just learn as facts as history, that's cool. I like history. But if this is a book for us to learn about a man who was called in the same way that you and I can be called, then that's different. This is a textbook about current stuff from a current God who's alive and well in Savannah, Georgia. So it's my conviction that when you read the Bible, you should be learning two things. One is, what did it mean then? What's the history? That's cool. I like that. Jeremiah. Yeah, yeah. But also, it's like, what is this saying to me? Did God form me? Does God know me? Does God have a a job, an impossible mission force job for me? Do I get to listen to a cool tape recorder? It'll self-destruct in five seconds. Is God calling you in the same way that He called Jeremiah? I would say the answer is yes, but only you can decide that for you. You can walk through your life and do the things that you want to do and not be bothered with God if that's what you choose. Because you might have some difficult assignments in your life. You might have some tough missions going on with you. And you need to be reminded of these things as you face the day in, day in, day in and day out struggles. That there is a God who formed you. Can you say that? He formed me. Let's try that again. He formed me. There is a God who knows you. He knows me. There is a God who has sanctified me. He sanctified me. There's a God who appointed me. He appointed me. That's your impossible mission force card. You're a secret agent in the calling of God. So you might have some difficult assignments in your life where you need to be reminded of this. He formed me. He called me. He appointed me. He sanctified me. You might have some difficult assignments in a relationship in your life. Core, important relationships in your life. You might have problems at home with your family. You might have problems with your work family. You might have problems with your friendships or lack of friendships. You might be in need of a friend. That's one thing I've learned in being here over a year. It's hard to make a real friend. You can know a lot of people, but... It's hard to make friends, at least in my mind, a friend, somebody that you trust and knows you and all those kind of other good things. So you might have difficulties in your relationship department, or you might have someone who tears you down and speaks poorly about you, and you end up feeling poorly about yourself. So you have a difficult assignment in relationship. So you'd be, you would need to be reminded that He formed you and He called you and He sanctified you and He appointed you. You might have difficult times and circumstances of your life that are going on right now. You might have financial stress that's been going on for a short time or a long time. You might, as they say, have more month than you have money. The money runs out about the 20th and you got like $2.27. You ever go to Publix, I do. I put my debit card in there, and they say, do you want money back? I go, yeah, I want money back. I don't want to take it out of my account. I just want you to give me some money back. Or else you put the thing in there, and it'll say, $60, is that okay? And they go, no, it's not okay. It's really, it's really not. Just give me this stuff. So you might have difficult circumstances with, related to money, and it seems like you can't get ahead. Or you might have difficult circumstances where you've just experienced a loss. You've lost a job. You've lost an idea of what your future would be like because of a health concern. You might have lost a loved one. Things have changed. You get bad news from the doctor and all at once they say something and you thought you were going this way and now the doctor says no You're going to have to go this way because we've just discovered something. So there could be some impossible mission you have in the circumstances of your life. That's when you need to know that He formed you. He knows you. He appointed you. He sanctified you. When you have those difficult circumstances in your life, you might have a difficult assignment in the brokenness of your your inner life. You realize that you're human and you struggle with your humanness, you want to do better and you can't, or you think you're going to do better and then you fall back, and you feel like giving up on yourself, that's when you need to be reminded. He formed you. He knows you. He sanctified you. He appointed you. You might have some physical or some medical problems. You have a medical condition that kind of dominates your life. You have to spend a massive amount of time and money dealing with these issues and it seems overwhelming. And perhaps your life physically really is on a downward slide from what it used to be. You know, it's a shame that youth is wasted on the young, if you think about that. Think about what I just said. It's a shame that youth is wasted on the young. Because I can remember living at home and being all upset that my mom wanted me to be home at 10, 10 p.m. or something like that, or I couldn't watch what I wanted on the three channels that I had to get up and change all by myself. When I looked back at that, and I thought, I lived in a house, I didn't pay anything. I had someone doing my laundry. We had a thing called a clothes chute. I don't even think they build clothes chutes anymore. Anybody know what a clothes chute is? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was on the second floor. I put my clothes in this thing, they went down, and like two days later, they miraculously appeared in my room. All washed and folded. It was magic. I don't know what happened to the clothes, but they kept reappearing clean and folded. Think about it. What was I saying? How did I get off on that? Thank you. And so what happens is you can physically be at this point in your life, you can probably think back to the time you were the healthiest you've ever been, and you think, wow, back then I didn't know I was healthy and I had it. I just assumed, I just assumed it would keep going, and then it doesn't, does it? All at once you look in the mirror and you go, who is that? What is that? How long has that been there? You go to the dentist and they're telling you things. You go to the doctor and they're poking things and they're doing things like, what? Well, I used to be, you know, what happened? That's when you need to remember He formed you, He knows you, He sanctified you, He appointed you. And that doesn't have anything to do with this world per se, it has to do with your relationship with Him. So I'm going to leave you with that thought that the details of your life will certainly be different than Jeremiah's. He lived 2,000, 3,000 years ago. He lived a long time ago in Israel. As far as I know, none of you have ever lived in Israel, especially during this past week. And none of you, some of you look old, but you don't look like you're two or 3,000 years old. So his, his situation doesn't apply to us in Savannah, Georgia. But it's the same God in this book that lives in your heart. And so I want to believe that the same God who said to Jeremiah, I've called you, i formed you, I've called you. Wait, i formed you. I know you. Help me. Sanctified you, I've appointed you. That same God has got those same four messages for you today. And if you decide to accept that message and that mission, He will call you. He has called you. And he will use you. You just have to be willing to step out because he sends you. He commands you. He sends you and he says, I am with you to the very end of the age. It's from uh, Jeremiah chapter 18. It says, The word that came to Jeremiah, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my word." So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. The word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, Can I not do with you as this potter has done? Declares the Lord, Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. He's the potter, you're the clay. Allow him to lead by remembering that he formed you, he knows you, he sanctified you, And he calls you and appoints you. God bless you this week. If anyone would like prayer after the service, you can come down where there will be an elder for our visitors. We have a fellowship meal prepared if you would like to be a part of that. God bless you. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your grace, for the promises that come down like heavenly dew with drops of grace and mercy and challenges. Lord, as you've called us, Lead us, fill us, guide us, bless us this week. Bless each man and woman, boy and girl here. Thank you. We're a church family here in Savannah. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.